Hello, and welcome to the No Good Poetry Podcast. Each week we talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly of poetry. This is episode 100, 100. with Joseph Makos and Joseph Bienvenu. This is the good, bad, and the ugly, isn't it? Some ugly shit out there, kids. Let's make the world safer for poetry. We're here. I know. Sorry, I thought I'd switch that up on you a little bit. Well, that's all right. Yeah, it's one hundred. Oh, we go. I didn't think we were gonna make it this far. I didn't think we were gonna make it this far either. And we are doing this bizarre episode today. I guess it's gonna be kind of interesting. Well, we're gonna see how it goes. Yeah, but you know, thinking about episode (laughs) hundred, I've had so much like like sleepless nights about it. I was looking back. (laughs) I was just curious. I was like, how many? Looking back, how many poets have we talked to in these hundred episodes? And you've counted? Well. I'm maybe missing some from some of the episodes where there are a lot of people. Like, I don't have the whale prom in there. And uh, I don't okay, have sure, sure. a couple other ones. You can estimate that. 58 poets. We've talked to 50... We've had conversations with poet, about poetry with 58 different poets. We've, we've done more than that. Well, that's what I'm saying. Uh, there's a couple group, group episodes. I didn't count... Oh, and we, ha- and we had a bunch of episodes where we just did... Yeah, we had some stuff where it's right. just us, okay. right? But still, that's a lot of poets. Yeah, I bet, I bet, I bet we've... I bet we've I bet if you count every poet we brought in and every everything, I bet it's I bet it's more than that. But you got a list. Well, yeah, if you random poets and interviews, I didn't and count. Uh, I didn't count some of the ones where we did a bunch of smaller or like people, where I recorded but, somebody reading and it was part of the piece. Like you know what I mean? Yeah. But it's a pretty long list there. Wow, that is a long list. Are these in alphabetical order or in order? I think they're pretty much in order of appearance. But well, yeah, I mean, clearly, I mean, look, we're approaching. Yeah, I say we have. Six, I say if we really counted them up, everyone would be like seventy people. But that's pretty amazing, actually. But today, I don't know exactly what we're doing. We are about to hold a visual poetry workshop. We we we're are. It's part of our Haley. one of our themes that sort of continues through is is our uh, avant gardeism in this uh, realm of uh, uh, the plastic of poetry. I suppose the the, the uh, physical, the tangible. And I think did we talk about on the episode? already that we're going to be having a show of visual poetry in, including a lot of our international guests who've been featured here on our episodes before they shared some work with us and some of our own work and maybe some work from this workshop today we're going to have a show at barrister's gallery on the friday night of poetry fest yes we will indeed i believe we'll actually have it up for second saturday in april so it'll be up for the 13th as a little sneak peek preview but Really, we shouldn't tell you that. Really, we should just have <laughs> the, come well, the 19th. The 19th is going to be the Friday the, par- the, the 19th, party. It's the party. performances. That's going to be more fun. But yeah, you can go see Opening it. night at Poetry Fest for Cafe Istanbul. And there's going to be some amazing opening night performers for Poetry Fest Friday night. And then and then everyone, you know, we'll just have everyone. Oh, and then, and then by the way, during the day. So Friday the 19th is going to be a big day. I know it's like we're way in advance, but we're not, right? Because this episode. It's not that far away, okay. yeah. So this is really what's going on. Friday all day is like a marathon poetry reading at Dragonfly. It's like it's like oh, the beginning. Okay. It's like the precursor to poetry before fest before the opening. Before we fest set up the tables okay. and we do the we do the book fair and all that. Cool. And have like the fest kind of junk uh, junket, you know. Nice. So uh, we've got all day marathon reading of poetry at uh, at Dragonfly, which we'll be over there promoting the the, the yeah, events. Yeah. And then everyone comes over to, to the, the healing center, the healing center for the grand opening, grand welcome, and grand opening, and our opening performers. And then after the first night opening party, 
Um, or the barristers. We just walk right across the street where yeah. we'll, we'll have some cocktails and be cool. visual poetry exhibition. So, we're hopefully what you'll be listening to in a couple seconds is some of the people who came for the workshop today talking to us a little bit. But uh, we'll we'll maybe close this out at the end again too. But uh, regular listeners, thank you for being with us for these hundred episodes. Oh yeah, man! Uh, if you if you if you listen to even ten episodes, thank you. If you listen to even one, thank you. But if you listen to 10, that's awesome. If you listen to, like, maybe 20 and you're really with us, oh, man, I just want to give you a big hug. I want to give you a T-shirt, a button. If I see you on the street, tell me. Tell me you listen to 24 episodes, and I will give you the shirt off my back. It sounds like now that you're going to have people emailing you asking for shirts and buttons. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's All right. So here we go with some conversations from our visual poetry workshop. So I'm sitting here with Lori Williams, who was one of our participants at the Visual Poetry Workshop today. How are you doing, Lori? Just fine, thank you. So what did you think about making some visual poetry? Um, I thought it was very interesting. It's always something that's um, interested me um, in some of my studies. And what I enjoy about it is that it makes you engage in text in a very different way. And a lot of times the actual words themselves are obscured, so you have to look for a different meaning or a deeper meaning. Yeah, yeah. I liked, you were really combining some hand-drawn stuff with some type stuff and some of the, I liked how you were mixing those media together. Yes, I guess that's um, one of the things that stands out to me about being able to layer things in and obscure the original intent of the word. So start with the base and then kind of move up from that. It gives you different layers to explore. Yeah, yeah. Do you have a plan for any of the any of the stuff you're making today? A project you're going to use it in? Um, I don't know. Maybe I do a lot of um, I you know I tool around in my art studio at home, and I do a lot of combinations of writing with images. So we'll see. And so it gives me a new way to think about things and to look at things as I go forward. Well, cool. Thank you for uh, joining us today, and thank you for for being so kind as to sit down and talk to us about it a little bit. Thank you. Okay, so we're up top here. We've got uh, four participants today at the uh, Visual Poetry Workshop. I feel like it's been pretty successful, and we've got a past guest uh, talk a little bit about a uh, little bit work he's doing on the new new uh, next issue of his uh, of his zine. How you doing, Jeffrey? Oh, yeah. I'm doing great. Thanks. Jeffrey I think I'm on episode seventy. I think I 70. really. Enjoy- yeah, wow, y'all have done a lot of episodes since then. <laughs> yeah, this is, this, is actually, this is actually episode 100 that you're talking about. Goodness gracious. Uh, yeah, we are working on episode... <laughs> we're working on issue two of our zine, Balbantia is still a place, and it should drop very, very, very soon, April of 2019. It will emerge, and I came here today hoping to maybe do a little bit of artwork, learn more about visual poetry, and maybe do something for the zine, and all of that has transpired, so I'm very happy about it. Yeah, it seems like it seems like you uh, it seems like you actually used a bunch of different processes today to like get into it. So uh, actually, if I think about your piece that we did, we like, five or six different things on. Yeah, it has typing, it has hand lettering, it has um, some letterpress elements that were put on there by hand, and it also has some uh, 
you know, letters that were scratch uh, letter set. Yeah, letter set uh, used on it. So I was really happy with how how that came. It was nice to see all those different genres. And I, I also learned, I guess, through this, like the connection between the sort of Dadaist stuff that led to visual poetry and later punk rock aesthetic, which we have in our zine, since where it's made mostly by two. Uh, aging native punk rock dudes, um, Ozone 504 and myself. So uh, I really appreciate that connection to our aesthetic. Yeah, there's a thing there that you can uh, come through. It's, it's uh, you know, it's like it's like where the, um, the, uh, the political aspect of Dada, uh, even though that it goes in a certain sense, like as it becomes punk rock, it might lose its political uh, power, but it still keeps its visual presentation. We yeah. can bring the political thing back again at the end. Right, yeah, for real. And uh, I'm really happy with it, and it's good to have such a good set of materials to work with and even learn some things about photocopier art. Oh, that was another thing that made it onto my piece, so some photocopy manipulation. So that was really great. I'm, I'm glad I came to this and I learned a good bit. Yeah. Uh, what, were the, what was your – can you talk about any bit at all, like, favorite – thing uh we had typewriters we had ink we had you know you're getting your i can see you got some oil-based ink under your, your i do have a lot of ink on my blue, pants, jeans. blue jeans um but they look, they look better right, maybe. Uh, thank <laughs> you i can walk around like a real artist and uh i think i did like using the uh letterpress lettering that's kind of an interesting process to do it without running it through the regular letterpress and doing that by hand uh, it's an interesting set of collection you have here so i guess I should know that because I've been looking, at, and I've even purchased your stuff for years. But it's really kind of amazing the letter collection you have here. So it's fun working with that. And you're, and we're, and we're just sort of doing a really makeshift type of. Um, you're just like rubbing the ink uh, on your on your thumb or your fingers, and just kind of polishing the top of that letter pre- letter set, and then it's like using it as stamping. Yeah, and anyone who wants to see my piece, you can buy issue number two of Bullbuncha is still a place, and it will be in there. Faux show. And, so. and you think uh, there, there's clear? Do you, I mean, I, 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 okay, okay. Like I know you're doing the zine. Is, is there uh, proof? Is there evidence and proof of visual poetics or uh, visual tools and cues uh, in Native American culture? Well, there's a tremendous amount of uh, symbolism in terms of um, you know various art art of arts that still exists now from the ancient days. There's also many different ways to encode words and ideas. And when we think about things like wampum belts or knotted coding that uh, many nations use, then those are ways to visually make an art piece that also ha- represents some ver- something verbal and represents an idea in addition to its aesthetic qualities. So there is kind of a bridge there with uh, the more modern visual poetry. That's something I was interested in. Sure. Sure, sure. Uh, language abstracted into something more natural to uh, to essentially it's encoded, it's abstracted yeah. through a visual art, right? There's right. Uh, there's there's very there's relationships there for sure. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I, I really enjoyed it. Cool. Thanks for coming on, man. Sure thing. It's really great to hear what you have to say. Always good to have you in the workshop in the studio, and uh, awesome. Right on. <laughs> So right now in the studio, I have Ben Luton with me, who is also with us to do the Visual Poetry Workshop today. Uh, how's, how are you doing, man? I'm doing fine. Um, uh, thanks for having me today in your workshop. What did, you, did you uh, make any nice discoveries today or anything as you were playing with the text? Yeah, I did. I, uh, I thought um, 
we had an initial discussion or, or sort of a presentation you, you and Joseph did, um, and it sort of re-familiarized me or I was sort of re-engaging with ideas of scale and how that can impact um, sort of the improvisational qualities of, of writing and um, some of the techniques that you were talking about and showing um, uh, had that kind of nature and it, it's something that I'm drawn to in writing or have been in the past um, sort of uh, I do a lot of kind of auto modified automatic writing um, but yeah I, I so I was working on a typewriter for a, a large part of the day and you know that in itself has to do with scale um, there's sort of a physical element that's determining the shape of the lines simply uh, by uh, the system that you're engaging with, which is the typewriter and the layout of it. I wouldn't call it arbitrary, but it, it's sort of uh, idiosyncratic yeah. or constrained. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool for it to be for a different kind of constraint than maybe some of the other constraints we normally work with, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, awesome. Um, yeah, and you said you already have kind of played with some of those things in your writing anyway. Yeah, I have. Um, I I am a little what is the word timid um, with visual elements in writing, but I I have um, I have written sort of long form works that that have uh, sort of uh, is sort of idiot. I, I suppose the um, the term is a. Uh, well, anyway, it's a basically it's a long form work with a sort of your own device form. Yeah, own yeah. device. Yeah, um, and uh, so it's nice. Like I, I'd like to engage more with uh, sort of some of the materials you guys were talking about, particularly in a digital um, medium. Yeah, yeah, no, it's fun. Yeah, we didn't really get to do a lot of that today. But, yeah, playing with some of that stuff digitally is really fun, too. Yeah, and I got a sense of, like, how they correspond to each other, like, some of the physical processes we're using. I suppose you might call them analog. Um, I, you know, there was sort of a corroborating process that you know, sometimes you guys would explain how it might be played out on a, in a digital medium. No, and that it is neat. Like, you're right, like, you go, you use InDesign or something, but it's all based on... How things used to be physically printed right. it's just in a yeah and it does kind of help you understand that and make sense out of it even yeah. if you've already been used to it in a digital way yeah yeah like you're speaking of a polynaire and sort of um having to bend the metal to sort of form these poems and it, it sort of played into the sort of the the tension between abstraction or nonsense and like linguistic uh sense um yeah 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 uh, and the word I was looking for is nonce form. <laughs> it just took me several minutes. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you want to splice that in earlier or just have me stumbling around. Either is fine with me. <laughs> I'll at least cut out some of the stumbling. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> cool. And you, got, and you were using, I mean, I guess several of y'all were, but you were using the Letra set today. Yeah, I thought that was awesome. I, I really liked some of the fonts. It was uh, Futura Light. Which I think I've actually seen before in a, um, in digital context. 
Uh, well, yeah, there's a, I think there's some sort of popular guide to typography that it's laid out by sort of font and it's historical. I, you might be, I can't think of the name, but I think it used to be pretty popular and it's like a little, sort of a, it's kind of poetic, but it's almost like a textbook too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, he like organizes the whole book by, by font and then in that it'll, it'll sort of talk about structure or like techniques as they came up with like the historical development. I, oh, so it goes through it like, yeah, and I haven't read, yeah. I haven't read through it. So I, I'm sort of, uh, but yeah, it, it seems to be organized by like, yeah, by font historically. And then it'll bring up techniques and things in it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a pretty popular sans serif font too. that Futura. Um, for sure. But I liked how it was contrasting well with the weird, electric type yeah <laughs> i thought it was kind of a hum i didn't work it out well i, I felt like uh but i thought it was kind of a humorous juxtaposition or something some, something light about it well thank you so much for joining us for the workshop today and agreeing to sit down and talk to us a little bit about yeah it. my pleasure thanks for having me like i said all right have a good day you too <laughs> So we're back. Yeah, and we just had a workshop, and I'm toasted, man. It's exhausted. But uh, we did a lot of things today. We People were typing on typewriters. People were using Letraset. People were hand stamping with ink. People were illustrating. People were using stencils. We are using the photocopier. And uh, Yeah, I liked uh, That was fun, like, taking the typewriter stuff and distorting it on the photocopier and then cutting it all up was fun. There's a lot of chance that goes on with that, you know, and, and like at first people were like, oh, the photocopier, okay, I didn't think about that, but there's a lot of tools in, on that machine that like, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's immediate, you know what I mean? It's very yeah. immediate and it, like immediate results where you're like, you can jump from something like, okay, so what do we do with the photocopier? You typed your poems. Yeah, but that was cool because... And then... I took them and enlarged them. You, you, and yeah, and the enlarging was cool in itself because it was also cool because like sometimes the type like it punches the hole out in the O or something, sure. or something and that stuff gets reproduced and then to see it at a different scale is interesting. And then you were you were distorting it. So the details. So I was blowing it up first, and then you were taking the blow ups and doing something else with it, and then I was taking a couple of them, and then. Spinning it, distorting it with like the scanner bar on the on the photocopy machine. It was showing my hand in some of it. You know, it had a lot of like more body and and uh, more spookiness, more yeah, chance, yeah. Uh, weird distortions and stuff. Well, and like cutting it up was fun because then you had the same thing at different scales. Like some of it was like almost the size it was normally on the typewriter, and then some was really big. And then you had things in between, so it's kind of like, that's a nice thing about it, where you can't normally do that with typewriter type, right? It's not. Yeah. Can you get, like, I wonder, like, the one thing we haven't done yet is, like, if we take your piece and then when we blow that little square up to, like, 400%, like, how, like we do it again. Like, take it again, go 400% yeah. again. Like, how, how much detail can we get out of, like, a one... Tiny little A. But, but that might be fun, too, just for, like, maybe you wouldn't get very much detail, but it might kind of be, like, that obliteration thing where it's going to almost be unreadable. But that might be interesting looking, too. Like, it's totally. blow it up so much that it's hardly recognizable as a type yeah. anymore.
And then there's collage again, you know, so like I collage, so we took the type, so for this example, that one, you took the typer, typed it out, I enlarged it, cut them up, collaged it again, then took it back to the copier, did even more distortions, did some color, and then took those and even did those even more. So it was like yeah, I crumpled up the paper. And, yeah, yeah. And, and, and all those results, like even the crumpled paper, like adds like weird flat, like flashes or the way the, the light hits it. There's so many weird yeah, things yeah. you can do with the photocopier. There's like a lot going on with the photocopier. You could totally do a show that was just like, you could take one thing. That'd be pretty awesome, actually. Like, for, if you took sent one the thing same and... document to everyone and said, like, to a bunch of different artists and said, this is your starting point, all of you. All shows starting with the same document and see how different it would look. That's what everyone would do with it, you know? that's constraint in its own way it's like its own form of constraint yeah you know that'd be cool and, and everyone today there was like typewriters going on but like everyone today kind of moved through a few different processes i don't i don't think anybody yeah. just stayed in one process uh that it wasn't it was expansive in the way that it was like okay you know some people were using the letterpress type hand inking it stamping little bits at a time getting that everyone had a goal in mind you know, um, one person started with um, a photo uh, that we printed out, and then she printed on top of that. Some people were more comfortable doing illustration because maybe that's where they rely on more of an artist leaning more toward illustrative. Um, Jeffrey had like this idea in mind that he wanted to do like a specific single composition for like a book that they're he's Zini's working on. Um, somebody else was working from. Um, uh, like a uh, text that was found about the, the survey of the View Carey, which I thought was a cool place to yeah, start yeah, with, yeah. start from. You know, like this kind of seemingly random text, and then and then uh, typing it out, transcribing bits of it. There's yeah, cut ups from there. Into the uh, letter set on top of it later. Exactly, which brought some good. things on top. So I think all in all, it's like uh, you know I look forward to the more more workshops on this topic, and I think. As a first workshop, we had four people here. I thought it was pretty good overall. I think uh, we, everyone was uh, inspired by the introduction, the workbook. We kind of went through this whole introduction to break people's minds open a little bit, um, visual poetry and uh, history of it and its ethnopoetic uh, connections and historical connections. So that was uh, a good start, I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Not a bad way to spend a Saturday. Not a bad way to spend a Saturday. Uh, I think I think uh, everybody was happy. Everyone was pleased as punch to uh, to come out and use some of these tools that you don't usually get into. Some people left covered in uh, oil-based ink, which I reminded them that. <laughs> well, maybe you can a little hard sure to get off, but worth it. It will come off eventually. You'll yeah, just, you'll just look like a leopard for a few days. Yeah. <laughs> Danny, I mean, she was covered. Her face was co- had ink on it. Her hands, her legs. She was just kind of being. <laughs> Kind of more haphazard. Uh, it's not. It's not finger paint. <laughs> Can't just go home and shower that shit off. But maybe. Yeah. Scrub hard. <laughs> you know, I think. Uh, I think. Uh, you know, our listeners, you follow us for a bit. We, we, you know, we've done. We, we, we've, uh, we've relied a little bit on visual poetry. Um, we've done several episodes uh, around it. Um, for us, it's like an. It, it's for me, and I think for you too. It's like. Um, it's a brave new world it's a, to step into and to play with, you know? There seems like so much potential. Like when we talk about the future of poetry, I think I asked, who would I ask? Like maybe I asked, once upon a time I asked Hank Lazar. I was like, yeah. Hank, where's the future of poetry, you know? 
And he goes, north and south. <laughs> you know, and that was like the idea, like, the Vispo, I think, scene was has always been stronger in Canada and in South America. Yeah, yeah. In a certain sense. You know, we, we had our, our whole heyday with uh, zine culture and all that, but, you know, it's like... But it didn't spread very far, and it kind of stayed in the Midwest a lot and didn't venture out too far, mostly. Now, I think that Mimeograph Revolution was part of it, and I think it was strong in the Midwest. Yeah. Very strong. Um, but I think, I think it's a real, like, moment for it to come back for a lot of reasons, uh, you know... I do think, you know, technology is great and hopefully people working technology into it, but I think there is also a desire to kind of see where these things came from, like to see, because even the digital design we do, it comes out of using these physical medium and you understand how to do the digital things better if you get your hands dirty and do some of the physical stuff too, you know? Yeah, I mean, as a poet and as a as a printmaker and as an artist, which I like hesitantly say that you know I am so much as a designer or an artiste. You know, I just like have a problem with that title. But I think when it comes to well, this you sort say of artiste, yeah, okay, you should. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> I meant to make fun of the title by 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 specifically using that pronunciation, but. I guess this type of work makes me feel more like an artist. And I, and, and I think it's because it's like the primer pigment, you're painting, but with brushes, but the brushes are tight pieces. So it's like, I think, you know, it's, um, but it's a different thing, you know, because it's like the approach is like more through design, more through, um, more through, it's less, I'm going to set out to paint a picture and more like, I'm going to step into this and use these tools and see where it goes. There's a, there's a yeah well I mean there's some kinds of painting are kind of like that but you are it's a different kind of constraint because you're working with text right you're working with sure. the shapes of letters in some way or another no matter how you're doing it even if you're erasing a lot of the shape or even if you're abstracting it in some way um, no and and that's the other part that I think's what's cool about doing it even if you don't get into visual poetry and want to make a lot of visual poetry, experimenting in it, I think, reminds you things about language that you forget, reminds you that, yeah, you know, that's cool, we can imitate speech, we can make beautiful imagery, and all that stuff's great, but sometimes I think we fall into, like, a com all writers, I think we can fall into, like, a comfortable place of how our writing kind of works, and to be forced to think of of language in a more concrete sense, to, to be forced to think of language as shapes and sounds and something physical, it's not just when you're working on visual poetry. When you go back and sit at your desk and, and, and write on a piece of paper again, it also affects how you think about language when you're doing that. Absolutely. I think breaking it down, you know, that's the thing, is like we're breaking it down into our composite parts, you know, and it's a sound, and it's a letter, and it has some sort of sense of meaning, but then it also has this, like, uh, intrinsic quality of shape because you identify with it, but because you know it's part of the set that you use every day, yet you're, when you start to use it in that way, it starts to change your relationship with language, just yeah. in general. Like, yeah. oh, I'm using an A now as a paintbrush. That changes your relationship with language, just in general, because you're, like, using a... Using a shape and a figure that, that has a sound and a, and, a, and a meaning by itself. Does it have a meaning by itself? Sure. An A, an A does. Some words, some letters are words in, in themselves. But 
you know, there's a, yeah, I don't know. It's like so primitive. And so like, like I told everybody like, Hey, approach this like a child, you know, try to approach this like a child, like you're getting into something. And I think everyone did that today. I think everyone approached it with a sense of wonder um, and like doing something new, like, and that's how we all approach writing when we first started writing, right? Of course. You but, have to. But then you get comfortable with it. So like Shit, I wrote a poem about you know? I wrote a poem about blue popcorn in the fourth grade. I still have it. <laughs> I don't I it's it's pretty funny. I think it's pretty good. It's like blue popcorn. Maybe blue it's a popcorn. story. Yeah, blue popcorn. Yeah. I don't know, I mean Yeah. That was good. Um this is episode 100. Yeah, we're, we we hit it. I I you know it's like there's no, ta-da! You know there's no party or anything. But uh, I feel pretty good about it. Well, what do you, how do you feel about we it? We can do it. We can do that at 150. <laughs> how do you feel about it? That's good. I mean, I'm glad we've made it through 100 episodes. Uh, I think it's awesome, and I can't believe we've we've done that many, and it's been great. I feel like <sighs> that wasn't really it's been great. I I think. When we came up with this idea of doing it, I stupidly thought we were like helping uh, teach other people about poetry, but I feel like I've learned a lot about poetry <laughs> through the course of doing this, more than I knew there was to know. Like we said, you know, we talked to all these different people and, and got to see poetry from all these different angles that I wouldn't have ever, some of them I would never have thought of or or. or had any other opportunity to have those discussions with people and hear their way of looking at things is great. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's, uh, I think it's like a gift that we give everybody the, 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 I mean, a hundred recordings, over a hundred recordings now. And, you know, we, um, we're just going in and sort of playing the role, the critical role of the document, but the documentarian, excuse me, the documentarians, but I think along the way we've made a lot of poetry and, and, yeah. and, uh, uh, I, I know, I know that I'm writing more than I have in the last few years. I'm creating more than I have in the last few years. I have a sense of wonder again, where I think I was getting a little bit uptight and kind of had written poetry off a little bit in my life, mainly as a, as a reflection on what, when I, you know, just like, uh, being tired with, the outlet for poetry, which was like going to the readings and it was all kind of the yeah, same, yeah, kind yeah. of seemed like repetitive for me. And it's like, is this all there is? Is this all there is for my pe- my practice as a poet or my poetics? But uh, keeping poetics as a strain through my life has always been there. But now I think through the podcast and through engaging with people and being inspired by our hosts and our, and our, and our, are being inspired by our guests and the people we have on and yeah, learning more about poetry. Like you said it. We were, I think, like, maybe we set out thinking, like, oh, we're going to talk about poetry and tell people what we think about poetry. Or, like, I, I don't think we even really thought that necessarily. But it was like, okay, we're going to do a podcast. Like, what's the idea? We're going to do a podcast, talk about no good poetry, uh, be, do something a little bit bold and brave and try to address topics that, like, are, like, challenging for us or hard for other people or, like, really see what people are thinking about poetry. And I think after 100 we episodes. That, but we, we also did other things and all kinds of things I would have never thought. People brought up topics that we didn't, we, that we couldn't thought of ourselves. Thank God, because I was running out of things to say. But Shit. <laughs> and we, and like what y'all don't know is that we we have you know Joseph we have like we have like we have like a list of like a dozen episodes that we've well, we out, never, that we outlined. Haven't we haven't even got to we'll, yet. We'll get to them still. So we're gonna get to them. We have things that we've been thinking about for a long time, but we just need to work a little harder on. And this next fifty episodes, the next so, year. Yeah, we got we kind of we were. Are we at a year? 
We're at two years. No, are we at two years officially? Oh, almost. No, no. We uh, released our first April, episode. End of April will be two years. Well, we, we started at Poetry Fest about the, the week before Poetry Fest two years ago. So I think... We're coming up on two years in a... I think the first one came out like April... Something. Tw- right before April 20th or something the first time. I don't know. I'd have to look and see. Um, but yeah, we already started kind of doing this, but... but we're going to keep making episodes, of course, but I think what we, and you may have noticed we already started doing this on accident, our 100 was our goal, but instead of putting one out every week, we're going to put one out every other week. Yep, that's a change of format, y'all, if you get to this point in the episode and you're listening still. We're going to do every other week, and then the off weeks we're going to give I just think bonus it's, it's, a lot of, it's, it's a lot to try to do one every week, and I think we can do some better episodes, maybe, if we're, we're only doing it every other week. I think um, so. And I think we do have coming... We need to look into it a little bit. We're going to have some kind of shorter episodes that may come out in between. They may be uh, bonus content in some sort of way, uh, but we'll get back. We'll, we'll let y'all know. We still got to figure out a couple little things about that to see how that's going to work. So that way we can still have something coming out, but not have to be putting together a big, long, full episode every week. Well, something, yeah. We'll have, we'll have our episodes, and then we'll have... Uh, and we have some good guests time. coming up, uh, what, I think, next... Lisa. 101 is going to be Lisa Passold, right? Yeah. Um, We've got a couple more folks lined up. And it's going to be New Orleans Poetry Fest before we before know we it. Before we know it, it's just two or three weeks, three or four weeks away, three weeks away, something like that. Four weeks away. So definitely, uh, we may have someone on to preview that a little bit, too. But don't forget about that. If you're in New Orleans or nearby, and you can make it down for, it starts on the 19th, right? Starts on the 19th, uh, goes to the 21st, three days. Uh, I think there's some preview stuff actually on Thursday. Dogfish opens it up on Thursday, and then all day reading on Friday, and then feature Friday night, and then fri- uh, feature features Friday night to open, and then feature late night. We've got our Verbavoca visuals show at Barrister's Gallery. Uh, and and then Saturday of Poetry Fest is all day book fair, and then Sunday... So after so party if Sunday you were night. Close by, you should try to come to it for sure. Yeah, you, if you're a poet and you're within 100 miles of here, and you and or, you know you don't come, like you're just you know. But if you're not, question your poetics. I think <laughs> we will definitely get some interviews out of this. Some interesting people to talk to. If you live far away, always you have, that, you have those interviews to look forward to as well. But again, thank thank you, listeners who have been regular listeners, listened listen to. A handful of these, at least, and uh, sure. we're gonna keep going. But thanks again for making it to hundred, number hundred with us. Yeah, and we'll see y'all not next week, but the week after. 